and we're rolling. Hey everyone, I'm Alex. I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou's in bed, the cat is in her room, and I am so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 19. <laughs> okay, so that was the second take. <laughs> Let's just leave that. We're just, leaving it. Okay. Take what we can get. Anyhow, guys, weird I Weird vibe from you tonight, I must say, before we record. I feel... One of the weirdest vibes. I feel weird. I feel very sick. I'm trying... Uh, not to i'm trying to do like a mind over matter thing i'm also sick also feeling uncomfortable well you're not going through pregnancy nausea which is kind of sick that i mean i'm feeling right now you try having this sore throat that i have (laughs) it'll knock you on your ass sister um shane you had an interesting week this week on his podcast mike on much you went with one of your buddies and got your sperm count tested because shane has been claiming for a long time that he has super sperm and the buddy that went with him just had a hunch that he had a low sperm count so shane can you walk us through that process it's not much of a process i went in and uh, masturbated <laughs> like that's the correct I don't term mean that right? process oh i mean like like well, i guess so and then how they analyze it was really what i was mm. thinking of because i guess everybody has to understand okay. that you have to masturbate for that to happen yeah so i did that into uh, a bucket and then the doctors bucket, came in. A whole no, bucket. I'm kidding. No, I did it into uh, like a little, a little. Cont- I, di- I I jerked it in a mini container. <laughs> what? How do I say this? It seems like everything I say is under scrutiny. I know that's fine. Okay. I, how do you want me to say it? No, it's fine. Okay, you're big on terms lately. I uh, <laughs> there was a bunch of women's vulvas on the screen. I know that. <laughs> what? I'm kidding. Uh, okay. Um. So they got my sperm after after they after I extracted the sperm, I put it in a little container. I handed it to a woman, and uh, she said, "In half an hour, we will know your results." I said, "No, no, don't tell me. I'm saving it for a podcast." We recorded the podcast at six that night, six mm-hmm. p.m., and I, I masturbated at noon. Got the results presumably at twelve thirty, and then I just waited. I was a little little anxious to hear the results, even though I instinctively knew the answer, which was I have a very high sperm count. So the doctors came in when it was time to record, and I also came in with my friend who had suspected that he had a lower sperm count. And, you know, both our gut instincts were correct. My friend had a slightly lower sperm count than is the norm. The norm is between 15 and 20 million. So he was hovering... Per ml, I think they said. So 15 to 20 million per ml. Per milliliter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that's helpful. No, it is. Because if you're thinking about in a whole load of ejaculate, then there should be way more than that. I don't think people really contextualize like, oh, how much of a load is he talking here? Like, I don't think the women well, I'm, at I'm home just, are thinking about that. I'm just saying it, it doesn't have to do with the, the size of the load because they take the same amount mm-hmm. from each to test. <laughs> so you think the women at home listening are like, was it milliliters or 250? Or? Okay, well, here, just in case, I don't know, maybe some women um, have gone through because you got this done at a fertility clinic. I did. So some women may have uh, gone through things like this with their partners and they might be listening and saying, oh, well, that doesn't seem like a lot or it seems like a lot, depending on how much was tested at their fertility clinic. Okay. Good case. (laughs) Good case. So if 15 to 20 million is average, my friend got around uh, 12 and a half million. 
And I had 91 million. 91. So wait, average 15 to what? 20 million. 15 to 20. And you had 90 million per ml. 91 million. 91. And they said it wasn't, it wasn't only the amount, which was very impressive. It was the motility. And that is how, that's technical jargon for like a healthy swimmer. So I had an extremely high percentage of not only sperm, but healthy, well-swimming sperm. See, I asked you to get, because when Shane initially went to talk to his fertility clinic about getting a sperm tested as like a competition, they had him in for like a presentation. It wasn't a competition, by the way. That was maybe marketed that way to lure people in to educate them. I knew that I had a high sperm count. And he knew he had a low one. Exactly. We we weren't, the only competition, honestly, was uh, my friend was trying to uh, jerk it faster than me. Shane. Sorry. How do I say it? My friend, my friend was trying Ejaculate. to. My friend was trying to. Sorry, much better. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show. Okay, so my friend was trying to ejaculate faster than me, and I was like, okay, it kind. Of, that was the only part that really felt like a competition. Hearing the results is something very personal, and I, I don't want to make anyone feel bad that that I was happy that I was right. I didn't want to make that feel make someone else feel bad that they had a low count. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the other person had told me before we went in that he wasn't all too concerned if he had a higher low count yeah. and he wasn't even sure if he wanted children. So this wasn't a dire scenario for that It person. was more of a confirmation of what you guys already thought. But to be honest, once he did find the results that he was a little bit lower, he was shook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hard mm-hmm. thing. And it is that you said that you were feeling uh, very confident beforehand because you instinctively knew, but that you were still a little bit nervous. What made you nervous? Was it thinking, oh, maybe I'm wrong, like that slight chance? Or? Just to be embarrassed to be a person thinking you have a high sperm <laughs> count and, and telling people this. And it would be very odd if I didn't because why every time uh, do coitus interrupt us? Am I getting uh, – is a pregnancy a result of it? You know what I mean? Um. It's funny because as a woman, like, I, I don't think that, I think I'm very fertile. So I think that this is a bit of a... Sorry, every time I don't do coitus interruptus, Yeah, yeah, no, right? I got gotcha. yeah. Okay. I think I'm very fertile too. So I think this is more of a partnership, a combination mm-hmm. of fertile bodies. But it's funny because with female friends, there's never been a, not a competitive thing, but like a desire I don't even know how you'd get that checked without it being invasive. Like, I have no idea how that works. Because we were asking a lot of questions about that. And you can get the, it's the number of eggs that yeah, you have how, in how, you. How do they, women have different numbers. How I don't do they know see how, that? I don't know how they do it. And uh, women also, there's different health levels to their eggs. Yeah. So this would be fascinating, actually, if any listeners that are women have gotten their fertility checked, if you could let us know, because we are ignorant as all heck on this. Uh, and I am fascinated by that. But women are different than men because a man can keep an extremely high count for a very long yes. time and women uh, do not keep yeah, it. So we, it's like when you were 20, let's say, you were probably off mm-hmm. the charts fertile, but it's a little bit but different But I'm wondering now. if that they can make a concession, uh, like kind of like a bell curve saying, okay, well at 30, you have this many eggs, which is average, higher than average, lower than average, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You would still want to get tested? I think it'd be interesting and then have it compared with... Um, other 30-year-old results. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I won't lie. A lot of the reason I did get tested was mere curiosity, and it was easy to do. And here's the thing. Like, if I have a low egg count, at this point in my life, I mean, I'm not too concerned. We have Lucy. 
I'm pregnant mm-hmm. with another one. And if this pregnancy doesn't go through, we've talked about it. I don't want to be pregnant again. I would be happy to adopt. So I, I don't think that it would impact me in a negative way if mm-hmm. I found out that I wasn't as fertile as I thought. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up on the pod too. There was no, beyond me being right in what I had thought my whole mm-hmm. life, there was no benefit. If anything, it's a detriment to be this. this <laughs> it's detriment. It is because we have to be so careful now. Like, well, that's why the tubes get tied. You're gonna tie your tubes, babe. Thank Shane, you, Shane. What? Get out of here! I wish I had a pie just to shove in your face. What do you mean? You said you're gonna tie your tubes just now. How did snip. I miss? Snip. What? Don't you get your tubes tied? What gets tied? Snip something on you. Oh, so snip! Nothing yeah, happens. you're yeah. so you're so dead set on using all the correct terms, Mrs. Well, Volva. I- <laughs> and and now now you're talking about tubes getting tied in a man. I'm no scientist. Okay. But what I wanted to say when you were talking about the sperm motility, so the really interesting part when Shane went there before, like to go for a presentation and you know kind of get introduced to the doctors at the clinic they allowed you to look under a microscope and see a thing of sperm and you could see the little guy swimming and how they all looked and when you describe you can put that up on your account by the I, way yeah I, I really want to but here's the thing i really wanted you to ask for your video because i wanted to check it out because um, the one that you sent me of somebody else's sperm mm-hmm was so interesting like you could see several of them maybe like between five and ten really swimming and making their way and they just looked good yeah you know as far as sperm are concerned and then there were like clumps of dead ones or clumps of yeah, ones the, the that clump like on the right hand corner they, there was a word for that i forget what it is he told us what it was though the, okay. that clumping uh, my friend actually asked what that meant yeah and then there was a couple other ones you know who maybe had like tails that were half the size or a quarter of the size and not really Mm -hmm. going in the right direction and it was just so interesting to see you know healthy sperm and unhealthy ones or malformed ones and it was i've just i've never seen like a live uh sample like that i guess so i thought that makes you wonder like how many of those could be like an nba player prime minister (laughs) or president or you know what i mean yeah well 91 million opportunities babe that's what I mean. It's it's just your your brain kind of your mind can get blown. So what do you think, uh, baby number two? Do you think we got lucky here, or do you think one of the duds made it in? I don't know. You never know. But the, usually the best swimmers do make it, and they outfight. Yep. And the, apparently the shape of my sperm is very good too. The shape. Matters. What is the shape of your sperm? He didn't really describe what the good sperm shape was, but I would assume what you see in the movies, like a little tadpole, because uh, my friend's sperm was misshapen in the middle. Right. My friend was actually joking that he's misshapen in the middle also. <laughs> so he's like, that makes sense, you know, and, and he was being very self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. But No, it's it's super fascinating. Um, and I would love to hear the female perspective of this uh, just because like even with you going there this time, Shane, it's just kind of opened my eyes to this whole other world mm-hmm. that we are fortunate enough not having fertility issues. Well, I wouldn't say we didn't have like I, I don't know is miscarriage under the the world of fertility issues i did i don't think we had the easiest first pregnancy we had to like no but i i don't know when i think of fertility i think of it's getting pregnant right yeah i couldn't i could be wrong in that definition so let's say you have 12 miscarriages yes would you say i I don't have fertility issues i have some other issue that's what i was wondering i was i just didn't know if it was under the umbrella of fertility issue uh, i don't know again honestly i were we're going to need somebody who knows what they're talking about in this because I don't want to give out false information. But like for me, somebody who's questions. so, yeah. yeah, for me, somebody who's so outside of it, I would think that fertility means conceiving. 
Right. But it's interesting because... No, but I guess fertility clinics, the IVF and everything, that has to do with keeping a baby and not miscarrying and everything, right? Because they're, they're selecting the sperm that has the best chance, I think. Because with my with my friend who kind of had the, the bad results, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, uh, they were saying they'd have to like select the good ones. Yeah. Because I think maybe you are more likely to miscarry if one of the bad ones ends up beating out one of the good ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as far as my the sperm on my screen, I, I did ask them to send me the oh, video. Oh, you did? Yeah. But they said the screen was entirely white. Oh, get out of here. What? Ask them. Ask them for real. I want to see. I want to I wanna compare it with the other video. Are you embarrassed? Are you nervous that they don't look as cool as you think? No. Uh, I can ask. I just felt weird. Like, is it weird to have them to go back into my absolutely not i think i think it's interesting and i think they're getting some good pr from you guys for doing this so i don't think that there's any harm in it and if they say no they say no i'll ask no and then we can throw it up on this family tree 100 percent. how do you feel knowing that i have a very high sperm count because we have it like recorded on tape that you were very skeptical that i would have a high i wasn't very skeptical you you said average to slightly above average when i blew off the charts no pun intended Oh, I'm going to vomit. Why? Ugh, so much talk. Anyway. What do, you, what do you mean so much talk? Like the semen disgust? <laughs> Any- no, but w- why are you acting so disgusted? No, it's uh, just... My, my tummy is off a little bit. Okay. I'm not going to like make you sample it or anything. You're so sweet. But what? You said that I was going to have an average to slightly above average. Yes, but I didn't actually think that you'd be average i thought you'd be above average i didn't think you'd be as off the charts as you are that's what i mean and and okay. if you actually thought i was going to be above average take a chance and say that on the podcast i was hedging my pets i know that's what i'm saying not to do mm. well i apologize for that for <laughs> you know like here's the other thing maybe i like i should i don't know i don't know what is normal so me either all i know is i'm very above normal because every other person i talk to has put in a little bit of effort to get women pregnant (laughs) (laughs) shane just lays there like a starfish (laughs) no but i mean in terms of like oh like i've had friends who've been been trying for years yeah and for me i try for seconds (laughs) and you always want seconds i find Oh, those those seconds, you know, you can't get enough of them. It's true. <laughs> Man, this is the weirdest one ever. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, Shane, I am um, I am pretty surprised that you were so far off the charts. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting you to be over, not as above as you were. Um, but knowing me and knowing how well I know myself, I don't know why you would question me. I found that odd. I just really think that we do need to talk about, what is the term? I was going to say circumcision, but you're a little too old for that. I've been circumcised. I I would (laughs) hope you would know that. (laughs) I know you like the lights off. You demand them (laughs) off, but the one time it was afternoon. Um, What's the term I'm looking for? Vasectomy. A vasectomy. That's going to happen. Okay. I I think. Well, we got to talk about it at least. But let's say you change your mind and all of a sudden... Like, let's say Lou is just, this is a horrible scenario, but she's hit by a bus. Shane. What? 
I'm just coming up with, with a horrible scenario. I'm like, not getting. I'm not getting pregnant again. I can't. Okay. I, I just. I'm not a good pregnant person. I know My that. body does I not do that. well pregnant. Last thing I want is you pregnant again. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just wouldn't want some, if something terrible happened and you were still in your fertile years <clears throat> to be regretting it. If that's really an issue, we can freeze an egg. Um, oh, you can also freeze the sperm. Yeah. Like freezing the egg would prolong. You could be fifty if you froze an egg. No, that's what I mean. Kid. But I'm saying in your fertile years, because you probably wouldn't want a kid out of your fertile years, anyways, because well, you're going to you, be older. Well, if you have an egg from your fertile years, then that uh, is very good, and that's very helpful. Undeniable. It's a better egg. The point I'm trying to make is, if you were out of your fertile years, your age would be past yeah. the no, age of forty. No, I'm 40. not getting pregnant again. Bottom line, but like, I mean, we could grow in a test tube or something. Okay. Do you want me to freeze my sperm or not? No, let's just take our chances. Okay. That was a lot of talk about freezing and all that just to get to that point. But okay. Yeah. No, um, I believe that if we truly wanted another child, like if something bad happened and we were really desperate for another one, we have the options of adopting, a foster. There's, you know, we can get a dog. There's, there's options. <laughs> we, we go to the foster homes. Yeah, <laughs> let's just get a dog. <laughs> Well, Scruffy. Okay. That's not a bad name. For a kid or for a dog? Either. <laughs> Hello, Scruffy. Remember that song? Who let the dogs out? You do remember. You always act like you're not cultured. Oh. Shane has a stuffed animal of a dog that when you press it, it dances and sings Who Let the Dogs Out? And it's one of the few items you have kept from childhood. You're a 36-year-old man and you've brought it to every house we moved into. Is there nothing sacred on the pod that we can kind of keep for ourselves? It's just like, just, I know we try to get personal, but that's a little too far. Mm. Anyway, what's next? Okay. So, uh, do you think Al would be ready for an early call or no? Who, who? <laughs> what? Well, here's what I heard. Do you think Owl would be ready for a call? <laughs> We're calling uh, for dad's corner night or guy's corner uh shane's buddy al who is a recent father Ow. and i'm curious uh if he would be ready for an early call because he's not expecting us for a while yeah you you don't want to talk about anything else i have questions but we'll do those after we'll fire them out okay so back by popular demand we're going to be doing guy's corner i do love this segment you know it's just bros doing what bros do best broing down are you gonna vomit right now i don't know women <laughs> what i'm getting in guy's corner mode you know no, yeah we, I, I don't know what came uh, over me there Whew. i kid but us guys we do love our women and this next <laughs> don't laugh because this next guy he really is a good example of a man who loves his woman and he he totally uh changed his life and we'll get into it but almost in every way since having a child I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear this. I haven't spoken to him much since his uh, kid has been born. No one has. <laughs> so this is a close friend of mine. He's in the gang, and I'm going to call him right now, and we're going to bro down. Hello? Hello, Al. This is Shane and Alex from This Family Tree Podcast. Am I too early right now? Uh, no, that's okay. I just uh, had to get the, uh, the old headphones in. Okay, yeah. Do, so, did I so hear baby. a baby in the background? Yeah, she did not want to sleep tonight. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, what do you, what do you do in a s- scenario like this? You just keep her up, or um, we just try and like bring her upstairs and let her play around for a while and uh, see if we can try again in a little bit. <laughs> oh, nice. So, 
So you are a dad. We've established that. That is true. And you're one of my friends who I would say has his life has changed the most since having a child. Last week we spoke with our friend Felix who Alex kind of condescendingly referred to him as a I, party dad. I wasn't being condescending. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a party dad. <laughs> Whereas you, I feel like almost every single thing is different about your life and your lifestyle. Uh, and just to cite some things, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, you used to live in Hamilton, work in Hamilton. You were a proud barbecuer, a meat eater, you were almost apolitical. You hung out with your friends. In fact, I would say you're almo- almost <laughs> almost your your catchphrase used to be "I love friends. Friends are the best. <laughs> Hanging out with friends is the best." And, and now it would seem like, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. You are a vegan or vegetarian. You're more politically motivated. You might be considered a bleeding heart liberal and i might have that expression wrong that's i still am apolitical by the way and uh you are you the the main uh caregiver for your child's scout if you're okay with me saying the name i can beep it otherwise but it am i right or wrong that you've had probably a massive drastic change yeah it's my life is quite different than than it would have been before and and what do you think uh is it nature or nurture that makes you change this way nature or nurture that makes me change this way right yeah i know uh, that's typically referred to as a child but i mean is it hey i'm just getting older i have a and i have a kid or is it my wife has influenced me you know what i mean like i've joked about oh, yeah, this yeah. in our group where I, it's gotten a little bit of backlash but <laughs> i feel like i'm the same way to be honest yeah i i would just say i would think that they uh my daughter and uh sarah both bring out the best in me and that's probably why I've changed uh, that much. Uh, so it would be a little bit of both. My nature, I've always been uh, leaning to the left side politically, but uh, a little bit more active and I care a little bit more about what's going on because uh, I think I care a little bit more about my uh, daughter. And especially especially having a daughter, eh? it does make you think more yeah. about like maybe a woman's right to vote or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. 70 years too late. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit iffy about that one before. But, um, <laughs> I feel like they should be allowed to vote. Thank you, Al. Am I right in saying that you are the uh, main, like typically it is the woman who is the main person around for their child. In your household, is is it the opposite of that? Uh, like nine to five, Monday to Friday is more or less that's true. I would mm-hmm. say like we, we share duties a lot in, uh, in that sense. But yeah, my, uh, Sarah, she works, uh, full time Monday to Friday and I work evenings and weekends. Uh, so yeah, I do get a lot of that, uh, that daytime primary caregiver time. And how do you find the nine to five throughout the week? Do you find it difficult? Do you enjoy it? Is it grueling or is it very easy? Uh, there are, I mean, every day is different, but the days that I do work, because I work in the service industry and sometimes I work past midnight, uh, and if I've spent the whole day with my daughter, then uh, that can be pretty pretty grueling and pretty exhausting. But for the most part, it's just rewarding and it's really, really great to be able to spend that time with her because I know not a lot of dads do, especially within the first year, right? Mm-hmm. Right. 
And a, a guy like Felix, you, you look at his lifestyle and the way he handles it, and his wife's obviously very accommodating to the way he lives. Do you ever uh, get je- jealous, envious, wish you could still go out as much? Or is that just like that's a chapter in your life that's closed and you're fine with that? I don't think it's a chapter that's closed. I think it's just like a, like a, a brief intermission kind of. Right. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I hope to be... The, have the energy to go out again it's just like i do like i said i work evenings and weekends and when i work weekends i'm typically tired uh but today's a good example i was supposed to uh, i was in hamilton for the day with my family and i was supposed to go meet up with sean dawson for uh for a beer and uh a chat this evening and uh i just was was too tired right <laughs> so that's the uh that's the biggest thing i just I find I'm just exhausted all the time. So. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier to kind of predict the future. Whereas when you don't have a child, it, the future doesn't matter. So you can get a little bit drunker, but now it's like, okay, <laughs> so let me get this straight. I'm going to have four to seven beers and then wake up not feeling great. And then my day is kind of going to be ruined with my daughter. Yeah. And also my day starts at like whatever, six thirty, seven 7 a.m. with my daughter and I have to be full of energy and ready to, to play. So that's the other exactly. thing. Will you be at the pub crawl on the 21st? I actually, uh, I couldn't get out of working. What? Unfortunately. Yeah. So oh, I won't no. be at the pub crawl. I know it's, it's, uh, one of my favorite nights of the year. Cause just so. for the people listening, that's a night when we all get together, we bond, we get really shit faced and take our shirts off and start hooting and hollering. So it's a really important night for the fellas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I was going to ask on a night, like, let's say there is another night like that where you can make it like a diaper party, something like that. How do you, how do you handle the next day? Do you, do you tell Sarah you're going to be on extra baby duty or are you just of the adage? I'm going to be a man at night. I'm going to be a man in the morning. Uh, I I would say (laughs) I would like to think of more of the latter than the former, but, uh, yeah, it depends on the day of the week too. If it's a weekday, then I don't really have a choice. I have to be get up and move, and just hope that uh, Scout falls asleep and I can have a nap with her. But yeah, I don't. Also, I don't really get hungover too much, to be honest. So wow, I can, that's amazing. Truck through. Yeah. See, I yeah. find when I'm a man at night, I just am nothing in the morning. I'm just I I can't even function at all. Don't you find that out? I find that you're nothing in the morning. Yeah. So there's been a couple <laughs> there's been a couple times where I've decided like I can go out and just live it up like the old days, and I've oh, really not- I've really burned not even myself just Alex because I've kind of just been absent, <laughs> and I now I'd like to say I'm sorry for that, Alex. Oh, thank now you, that honey. we're recording, I appreciate it. I've seen you at that time, and you're not much of a man at that night either. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you for confirming my suspicions. No, yeah, I'm not a good uh, person to be around. But now that Al, uh, sorry, I'm talking to my wife, Al. Do you have any questions for not my wife, Al? No. Do you do you find that when you talk to other dads, are they usually surprised by you know you getting so much time in like how's that reaction for you you know outside of the home or does does nobody uh, really ask like i find with like older the older generation the uh the much maligned boomers uh they are tend to be a little bit more surprised and a lot of dads that like they seem like they're envious because mm-hmm. there's not even the option at all when they were yeah uh young parents but 
Uh, most people are pretty, like, they get it, they understand. So. Al, did you take any um, parental leave or uh, paternity? No, I, I didn't. I, I took time off, but I didn't, like, not, I don't get paid time off. Uh, the, the service industry mm-hmm. doesn't really have that uh, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and Sarah also owning her own business didn't really get that time either. So right. she she was kind of back to work after once the C-section scars healed. Oh, my so, God. I yeah, couldn't imagine so. that. And we have a segment on the show where sometimes I give a, a tip from the male perspective. It's called Dad's Corner. It's not very okay. popular at all. So I really I, st- <laughs> <laughs> I stopped doing it. But I thought maybe you might have some tips that would be useful for the men listening. I'm not, not sure if I should have pluralized that because there might not be any. Uh, but there might be a man <laughs> listening in right now who is desperately looking for advice from another man. So oh, man. what would that be? My advice? would be uh, just stay in the moment. Just uh, just be present as much as you can. I know it's hard. It's exhausting, but it's really important to have things like pick up your phone or text your friends or do whatever people do on their phones. But it's it's really important for, for your child and for you to just be there and, and be there with the, in those moments together. I must say, to your credit, I did notice when I do text you, you only text back using emojis or one-word sentences. <laughs> no, that was that was just today when uh, I was driving and Sarah was texting for me. Oh, I see. And yeah. you also you you take a little bit in between, so I can tell you're not constantly the type to be looking at your phone all the time. No, I try. I really we try not to be on our phones around uh, around Scout. But. Well, just to end it, I'm going to give you a dad's corner tip. All right. So, you know, Alex is pregnant right now. So sometimes she sends me to Shoppers Drug Mart to do little errands. Yeah. And usually I'm just picking up like a G2 or another thing. So while I'm there, I grab a buggy and there's always deals on paper towels. (laughs) So I will just stock up on paper towels because normally when you're just shopping, you, you, you're getting so much stuff. Like if you're at the uh, grocery store, you can't buy 50 rolls of paper towels because it's going to eat up all your buggy space. So you can't do it. So I utilize these times to save my family a lot of money on paper towels and other items that go on sale like toothpaste, etc. <laughs> That's genius, Shane. Thank you. Well, <laughs> well, I looked at my last receipt and it said I saved $94. That's which amazing. is oh, wow. very, which is very good for helping it's admirable. the family, and we do use a lot of paper towels. Having a, a small child, yeah. uh, and Alex isn't the neatest person in it's the true. world. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, all I got. Unless I'm missing anything, is there anything I'm missing here? Not that I can think of. All right. Oh, I, I like to ask people with one child if they're thinking about having another. Uh, yes, we're thinking about it. Not <laughs> not soon, but. But it is like on the a, table. Yeah, it would be. I mean, think uh, it would be nice to have a sibling for for our daughter. So. And would you be rooting for another girl, or are you open to anything? I'm open to anything. Whatever uh, you know, I'm woke out now. So right, I like it. <laughs> that kid can be whatever it wants to be. <laughs> nice. That's good. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking the call. We we do appreciate it. Yes, I know. You do. Uh, I know maybe they weren't the most sophisticated questions for woke Al, but these were simple Al questions, and I haven't changed, unlike you. But 
Everyone well, evolves at a different rate. It's bedtime for a new dad, so right. simple <laughs> questions are great. Al, thanks so much. No problem, guys. Take All care. Right. Bye-bye. What, yep. do you think of, what do you think of that, Al? Like, it went from a guy like Felix, who mm-hmm. you tend to not like that lifestyle, to a guy like Al, who... See, for me, because I'm so very much, um, like, I'm a very social person, I'm a party person myself, uh, but I like to be based in the home. So it's like, I don't like to be in the home alone. I like Kevin. to be there. <laughs> I like to be there with my partner, uh, and I like my partner to want to be in the home and be good with that. And I obviously like, you know, I, I don't have problems with you going out sometimes, you know, the life where we're kind of living lives separately. Cause with a kid too, you can't always go out together like you used to before kids. So I don't like the idea of living my life kind of separate from my partner and then only having a couple moments in the week where we can actually spend time. Uh, so Al sounding more attractive, the more woke he gets. So that, I was actually going to ask you that. So you think you could be with a guy like Al? Yeah, 100%. And you couldn't be with a guy like Felix? Yeah, F- Felix and I would fight too much. Do you think you'd prefer to be with Al over me? Let's say physically we look the same. Everything's identical except that his way is more like him than He's me. He's pretty chill. So I'd have to think on that. Maybe. Really? Yeah. You might prefer Al to me. You asked me a question. This is tough to hear. (laughs) All right. Our guest caller tonight is going to be Dr. Kyla. She is a pediatric dietitian from Australia. Uh, I got in contact with her online. She specializes in fussy eaters and things like that. So let's give her a ring. Hello, Kyla speaking. Hi, Dr. Kyla. This is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you so much for taking our call. Hey, Alex and Shane. How are you going? Very good. So I just let the listeners know that you are a pediatric dietitian. Uh, Are you able to let us more about what that entails? So I am a registered dietitian in Australia, and I have done my undergraduate in Bachelor of Science and my Master's in Dietetics, so I'm qualified to give medical advice to people around food um, and using nutrition um, as a medical treatment. And I work specifically with kids. So that's the pediatric part. We have a special training here that you need to do. So I help kids and families enjoy food. That's my main um, message. And there's lots of things that go into that. And I can talk more about it as we go on if you like. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a 19-month-old daughter now. um, And (laughs) she, okay, so we started baby-led weaning when she was six months old. And it was amazing. I was shocked at what she was eating, like salmon and all the veggies, like anything. Anything I put in front of her, she would devour. And then... She like when she was maybe 14 months, she started to get a little pickier. And now at 19 months, it is a chore to get her to eat. Like tonight at dinner, I, you know, I made her three different things and that's not something that's unheard of. Some nights I will have to do that. And I feel like we always end up with noodles and I don't know how, like, where could I have gone wrong? And where did that salmon-eating baby go? Exactly. Do you know what? What you've described to me is textbook for what's meant to happen. Okay, And I think a lot of people don't know this. 
um, because when your baby starts eating, between kind of six months and about 15 months usually, so maybe your daughter was a bit early, mm-hmm. um, but usually between six and 15 months is the most adventurous they're going to be with food for probably the next six years. That is so depressing. Well, it's, it is, but it isn't. So if you know what you have to do, it makes life so much easier going forward. Because I can imagine for you, Alex, making like three meals a night and then having to resort to noodles is a bit soul-destroying mm-hmm. um, in the end. Oh, it is. So let me tell you what happens and then I'll tell you how we manage it. So usually between 15 and 18 months, toddlers start to go through um, a really fussy period and at 18 months, it tends to then hit really hard. So what happens is they often stop eating all sorts of vegetables. They Mm -hmm. often stop eating most meat foods and they tend to like these kind of starchy, carby foods like noodles, rice plain bread, they don't want any sauce on things, maybe they like a bit of fruit or they like cereal, they're not really eating that kind of wide, colourful variety that Mm -hmm. we're used to as a baby. And there's so many reasons for why that happens. So the main reasons are at 12 months, your baby, um, their growth slows down incredibly. So if you think about your little one, what was your little one's name? Lucy. Lucy. Okay. So if you think about Lucy in that first year of life, between zero and 12 months, she probably tripled her body weight from mm-hmm. birth and doubled her height, right? Yep. Massive, massive growth for a small little baby. Then between 12 months and 24 months, that growth drops off so much. She literally gains a couple more kilos in that year and a couple more centimeters. It's not a lot. Mm-hmm. And so their appetite actually slows down incredibly to account for that because they're not in this crazy growth period that they were in when they were an infant. And that means when their appetite goes down, if you've got a baby who's doing a really good job of listening to their body and listening to what their tummy's telling them, they start to eat less. And that feels really tricky for parents who are used to babies eating like these big amounts because they think, well, my child is older, like they should be eating more and more and more, less and less and less, right? And so we get them into a bit of a panic And we start to kind of try extra hard to get them to eat. Now, I'll tell you a bit more about that bit in a minute. So basically, you've got this slowing down of growth. You've also got a little kid who is starting to walk and talk and say no and learn about the world around them and, you know, um, want to be doing things on their own. Mm -hmm. And so often eating kind of falls down on their list of all the exciting things that they could be doing um, out in the world. And you've also then got this period where their molars are coming through, so their mouth can be a little bit sore, See, they're a little bit hesitant to put things in there and That's chew. when things got when hard it, for us, when the, the, when the molars started yeah. coming in, because then we went off certain yeah. foods, and then yeah. she never went back on them. And she will come back, but the tricky thing is, the harder you try to get her to get back to them, the less likely she is to do it. Because she also has this big sensory explosion at the moment, where it's almost like the light has been turned on in the world for toddlers at around 18 months. So everything smells more, feels more, looks different, feels funny. And so this is when they start to go through that period where they don't want to eat the crust or they don't want that little fleck of something or they yeah. don't want that green thing that they had or they don't want that thing that smells like that because it's all of a sudden a big sensory overload for them. And it takes them a good year to kind of get okay with that. But what tends to happen in that period, like you said, we start to get desperate, right? So mm-hmm. we start to panic and think, what can I do? And mealtimes turn into a circus often for families, right? You're like playing games or trying to distract her. You're trying to race her with food or you're dancing the broccoli like, oh, look at mummy's broccoli. Every night, every night. Yeah. And so then also like 
stop kind of offering them the food that we're having because we're like, oh, they're not going to eat enough of it. I need to offer backups and toast or noodles or things that I know they're going to eat. And that forms a bit of a slippery slope because all of a sudden your toddler feels like she actually rules the meal time. She like demands what she wants and she won't eat anything until she gets it. And we get kind of caught in this, it's like a dance with them, I guess, mm-hmm. where we're trying to like preempt their next step and they're trying to preempt ours and we just end up feeling really rubbish about feeding them, which is the complete opposite of how you felt when she was a baby. And it's the complete opposite of how we want to feel with mealtime. Because the main thing at mealtime is that you guys all feel good. Like that is the, that is the key with developing healthy habits long term Mm -hmm. and the harder you have to try and the more you have to coax them into eating the more problematic this fussy eating gets and the worse and the more restrictive it becomes because they honestly feel like if it's a slippery slope then like making all like the backup meals and things like that and you know kind of playing with them then do you like what is your recommendation there do I just kind of make the one meal and then if she eats it she eats it if she doesn't she doesn't or like how how do I know when she's okay with some yeah with some adjustments but that is essentially the the message your job is to be considerate to her needs without catering to them right so your job is to make sure that you provide a meal that on the plate there is at least one component she's pretty confident with Mm -hmm. and if that component is like noodles or bread or whatever that's totally fine. And if she only eats the noodles or she only eats the bread, that's also okay. Because okay. it's about teaching her that your job is providing it, but her job is deciding if she's going to eat it. And in toddlerhood, there's often days where they're just not hungry because they're mm-hmm. just not growing at that point. They're often, like, by the time you get to dinner, if you're almost two, you are just wrecked. Like, it's been a big day. And that's often <laughs> the time when we're getting most stressed, we're offering the hardest foods, everybody's at the table, there's all this pressure. And actually, toddlers do best when there's less pressure. And you'll find that toddlers who are, I'm not sure what you guys call it, it's called daycare or nursery, yeah, kind of same. if they go off to childcare. Yep. Often kids eat really well at childcare because they don't have this laser focus from their parents trying to convince them to eat something. Mm-hmm. And it means that they can actually explore foods or have a taste of things and listen to their body because nobody else is trying to make them eat. And I suggest if you offer a plate and you've got a safe food on there that you know your little one can comfortably eat mm-hmm. um, and you've done your job of not letting them snack all day long as well. That's another really key point uh, because if, you're, if your little one's had a snack 45 minutes before um, their dinner, their tummy is only the size of their fist. So they honestly, they're still full. They just, their body is saying to them, I don't need anything else. Please, please don't put anything else in there. Um, And actually, that's the message we really want our kids to to listen to, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at our issues as adults, all of us, you know, overeat and stop listening to our bodies. But kids are the most amazing um, self-regulators and that's something we're trying to encourage. Anyway, what I was saying was you want to make sure that you're always offering a safe food and you're always giving your little one enough time between meals and usually it's between two and three hours um, that they need to start to get hungry again without having any food or, or drinks other than water in that time. How much do you think sugar is the culprit for like once they get a taste of sugar, they know certain foods like broccoli are just horrible? Whereas if you never give them sugar, they never know that? No? No. If you never give them sugar, you create more of an issue later on because I find that all of those kids Hmm. in my practice end up 
um, binging on sugar when they go to other people's house because essentially, like, there are foods out there that are high in sugar and high in fat and they do mm-hmm. taste really good and toddlers are driven to, to taste things that, that taste really good, to eat things that taste good. But broccoli is also like a really bitter, strong taste that in this toddler year where they're having that big sensory explosion, it's actually really hard for them to eat. And also, that's the one that we're begging them to eat. We're never saying, like, please have some candy. Like, please have a biscuit. Come on, just something. We never do that to them. So we already kind of, I think our approach to those foods is what needs to change, not whether we offer sugar or not. Because I don't think sugar is the culprit at all. So play it cool with the broccoli. Act like you don't even care if they eat it or not. And they they just might. do not care. Interesting. So if they actually do eat it, that's when you've got to have your poker face. Like you might be able to wink at your partner, but you are literally like, you are not emotionally invested in if they eat or not because your job is to respect their body. You provide it, but you let them do their job of deciding how much they need to eat. So in regards to like, you know, if I'm getting nervous because she's not eating as many greens or things like that, like I've seen photos online and like memes and things like that, like for, on you know, kids nutrition uh, accounts it's like if you give Mm -hmm. them anything green or anything red or anything orange then they're getting nutrients because like right now lucy won't touch vegetables but she will eat any fruit she loves fruit so does that work or like can i make up for her lack of vegetables with fruits or other things well in a way you don't need to compensate for anything they're pretty incredible right? I don't want to get into a habit of offering fruit all the time. So as part of my, um, I run a program called Toddler Meal Times, which is an online subscription um, where people can kind of join and get all the answers and also have access to me um, as a pediatric dietitian answering the questions. And one of the big issues that comes up regularly is they'll only eat fruit. And fruit has some of the exact same nutrients as vegetables, like really, um, really healthy, nutritious kind of foods. But if you get into a habit of offering fruit at every meal, Meal, um, you know, really regularly to try and compensate, then often toddlers get diarrhea because just too much um, natural sugar, which isn't a bad thing. It just means that it kind of disrupts their um, natural regulation. So yeah. I'd only be offering fruit two to three times a day um, at the max um, and really letting her ex- be exposed to veggies, having a tiny, teeny bit on her plate for her to learn about. But honestly, not taking it personally and not tracking anything around how much she's had because what happens is when you feel like she hasn't had enough, even if it's really subtle, you you feel like you're trying to get her to do it. And toddlers are so aware of any agenda that we have. Like Mm -hmm. if you're trying to push one food over another, it just makes her more suspicious of that food and more likely to throw it at the wall or ignore it completely or cry until you take it away. So. What we want to do is actually take all that emotional stuff out of food and let her know that we trust you to do it um, and she will get there. But 18 months to 24 months is the worst period and it's meant to be like that. Developmentally, it's normal. There are things you can do to make it a little bit easier at the end, but the biggest thing is actually taking that pressure off her and off yourself. You know what? That is so good to know. And I want to end it there because I think it's such uh, an important thing to know that it's supposed to happen. We need to take the pressure off because that's, that's kind of goes against my instinct anyways and I think that's that's so important to know so Dr. Kyla thank you so much for your time today Uh, we really appreciate your call 
No worries. And if you want to find me online, um, you can head to toddthemealtimes.com.au. It's a worldwide subscription, so anybody can join if they feel like they want more confidence and to feel less stressed about feeding their toddlers um, because that's my whole point. Like, we can actually enjoy this period and we can sit down and enjoy amazing family meals together because that helps them to learn. So it is possible. You just have to know what's normal and what you can do about it. Absolutely. Everybody, go give Dr. Kyla a... a follow and uh, get involved with toddler meal times uh, if you're in the stage two uh, it will be helpful so again dr kyla thank you so much and we hope you have a great day no worries my pleasure you too take care okay so shane we have writing questions this week from listeners so we will just knock these out as we can uh the first one kegels before second baby i heard it's bad if you don't uh is that for me or for you well it's for me um, What's a Kegel? So a Kegel is when you tighten the muscles inside of your vagina as an exercise. Vagina or vulva? Vagina. Sure about that? In the birth canal. Okay. And like you will, it's the pelvic floor muscles, I guess is a better way to say that. So you tighten them and you hold them and then release, tighten, hold, release. Some people do them at work. I, I can't, I actually uh, often orgasm if I'm doing them. So and I, you're a school teacher. I do them at home, Shane. You orgasm when you do them? Yeah, sometimes. It's crazy. I'm jealous of these giggles. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's very odd. So when I was seeing my pelvic floor physiotherapist after the birth of Lucy, which I recommend everybody to do, and I'm going to start going again soon um, just because I am nervous about my pelvic floor as this baby grows. And I just, you know, I'm scared of prolapse and things like that. So highly recommend you guys go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. I was advised not to be doing Kegels after the birth of Lucy uh, and prior to the birth of Lucy because my pelvic floor was actually too strong. So it was in, like, imagine if you are lifting weights at the gym and then you are doing a bicep curl and your bicep stops in that flex position it can't get out of that flex position because it's just it's too tight it's too strong and it just is stuck there that's like what my pelvic floor was doing um, when I was pregnant with Lou so then I needed to work on relaxing those muscles and kegels would just continue to strengthen it and keep it in that you know flex position so it was actually it was really painful um it caused some problems for me and I'm still trying to work on it not as not as often as I should be but I before I do any Kegels, I am going to go and see my physiotherapist again to see what she says. Okay, so you, you as for now, no Kegels. As for now, not doing them, but uh, I am going to make my first appointment in a few weeks, so I'll find out. Question number two: Aren't you scared of having two babies? I'm already exhausted with one. I'm terrified, Shane. Yeah, it's going to be weird, man. I'm terrified. I'm ter- terrified of so many things. Like I'm really only terrified of the birth because obviously that's not fun. And then I'm terrified of the first three months when the baby's up all the time and moms don't sleep because that was such a haze. So those are the two things I'm scared for. Everything else I think will be manageable and we'll just take it day by day and it'll be fine and it'll be fun and the chaos will be fun. But the birth and the recovery, the fourth trimester, very scared for that. Yeah, you love chaos a little bit more than me. So I'm worried from, I guess, the moment they're born like the this new child is born up until maybe 10 yeah and then i figure like lou will be 12 love but then 10. the bigger problems happen babe when they're little it's little problems tantrums and stuff 
that's how I don't know how to deal with little problems. I'll leave the big stuff to you. I'll take the like. What's a big problem? Drugs, sex, bullying. Not for me. (laughs) I didn't have any of that growing up. (laughs) Well, you okay? So Shane, he's not lying. He, you did not drink underage at all. No. Uh, you never did drugs. You never had sex. Um, like everything, like you were, you were a very good nerdy kid in that sense. Yeah. The drugs weren't, were by choice though. Yeah. So was the drinking. Yes. The sex not so much. That was forced upon me by the, uh, (laughs) the female students at my school. Uh, in so, fact, a lot of people, it was weird, a lot of people thought I was gay at my school. Yes. And I was like, I wish. But you did hang out with your old man friend a lot. No, I'm, you, you don't know. This is before that. I, was t- I met Bert when I was, I had a best friend who was in his mid-60s, and I met him when I was 24. Oh, okay. So in high school, they thought that too? Yeah, because I had a best friend in high school who I didn't know, but he turned out to be gay. Mm-hmm. And he, he, yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. He changed his first name to my, no, he changed, yeah, he changed his first name to my middle name. So I was like, whoa, this guy really uh, likes me or maybe just my name. It's cool. And then it came Christian, out. Christian, cool name. And then he, uh, he came out and then I guess he wanted more than a friendship from me. Oh, interesting. But it really exacerbated the rumors that I was... Uh, <laughs> gay and puberty wasn't like super kind to me like i don't think i got hotter after i hit puberty i was a bit of a uh, sought after guy before puberty and then i became the exact opposite of that and i hit puberty late too so that didn't did help. you have like the typical puberty issues like pimples and stuff like that you know i did al <laughs> For the I know, but you can still be like, and by the way, he was a total zit face. And in fact, one day in high school, I was in a computer class, and this this guy who I thought was fairly nerdy, this guy's like, hey guys, come over here and check this out. And on his computer screen in an eye paint program, he had drawn my face, and he made me really look like a witch, but a man. <laughs> That's not the funny part at all. <laughs> Uh, and then he he drew these squares, these red squares, all over my head, and then put this white circle in on e- each red square, and the, those were to represent Aww. all my whiteheads. Oh my god! Because I was told if I popped my whiteheads, that they would scar. So I just kept them, and I had hundreds, honestly, oh no. hundreds. Yeah. So it was hard to do it. Uh, but then you know, I once I became a little bit older, I did experiment with all those things. <laughs> Minus the drugs. No, I did do drugs. I did. What? I can't say that. No. Why can't I say I did drugs? I don't like them. I think they're horrible. Anyone who does them is a dummy. I would never like. I get scared of anyone's telling me they're doing anything. But no, I know that. I, I just, can't say I did them. I don't know. I get worried about that kind of thing. Even if it was experimental, I don't know. I get nervous. The number one thing I would say is don't do drugs. And yeah. I'm not even joking. I'm not even trying to be funny. I hate drugs. Yeah, no, I know. Like, I feel like I could go to your school and be like, you know, I thought I'd be like Steve Jobs and try acid, you know, experiment, maybe be a little bit more creative. But it blew my mind (laughs) and I got a horrible nervous disorder because of it, which is true. (laughs) All right. Can I say that? (laughs) Maybe. Okay. A lot of rules on this pod I'm finding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The original question was, are you scared of having two babies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're scared. Sorry for that digression. Must have items for first time moms. Uh, really great nipple cream. Um, I will post the one I used, um, but it was an extra strength Medela uh, lanolin nipple cream. And that's the only thing that worked. I tried everything natural. Um, and the only thing that worked was the extra strength. And it worked beautifully. Um, honestly, a comfortable chair next to the crib, good nipple cream, and... And a supportive husband. Um, I'm just trying to have <laughs> some input. But uh, those are the two most important things, honestly, like big time. Make sure you have a good baby monitor that you feel comfortable with, but nipple cream, comfortable chair. The next question, do you plan on keeping Lou in daycare when baby number two comes? Uh, yeah, she goes three times a week right now and two, day, two days a week she is at our house with my mother-in-law. And that is what I plan on doing to continue to do because life would just get so crazy with two babies around, especially when I'm in recovery. So I think it'll be helpful. Very helpful to keep her in. Oh, is that what you plan on That's doing? That's what I plan on doing. What do you What do you think? I don't know. I usually refer to you. <laughs> Shane, what do you think about keeping Lou in daycare? I say let's do it. It... Because can they even keep her overnight? I bet Brenda would. See, that would help. <laughs> like, I am very pro. Like, I love Lou, but I'm just, I am scared of the two kids. I'm sure once they come, it's like, what's the worst that could happen? All right, the next question. Is Lou still waking up early? My 18-month-old adopted a 5 a.m. wake up, and it's killing me. Yes, I don't get it. So she's adopted this weird sleep schedule. So she goes to bed at regular time. Mm-hmm. So between 6.45 and 7.00. Then she stays up for an hour playing with her toys, not crying, just playing with her stuffies and then falls asleep. Sometimes it's less, but it's often been an hour in the past two weeks. And then she wakes up between 5.30 and 6. There's been a couple really bad ones where she was up at 5 or 4.30, uh, but typically 5.30 or 6. And it's just, she doesn't fall back asleep. Usually she wakes up and I, you know, leave her in, she falls back asleep. But um, I haven't been getting her out of the crib until 7. And she's not in the crib crying or anything. She's, again, playing with her stuffies until I go and get her. So it's weird. It's like she loves that time on her own where she could just be in her little safe crib playing with her stuffed animals. And it's like her time, like Lucy time. It's weird. But uh, yeah, I don't get her until about seven. And uh, I'm truly hoping that she starts sleeping in, though, for her own sake. You don't get her. <laughs> oh, during the weekdays, uh, Shane gets her at 640. Uh, so that we can begin our weekday morning routine. Yeah, it's very cool. Part of my day. Yeah. Number six. So are you going to be finding out the sex for the next baby? Yes. I don't like surprises. No surprises. So uh, the next question kind of goes into that one. If it's a boy, will you have that child circumcised? Yeah. Uh, I used to be in a rap group. And one of our songs was actually called Botched Circumcision. A serious fear. Today you were on the couch. I was like, what are you doing in there, honey? And you're like, just looking up botched circumcisions. <laughs> I thought you were kidding. Waited for like a little ha-ha. No, you were actually looking up botched circumcisions. Then Lucy started saying botched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Botched. She did. That's weird. Um, but yeah, that's a, a fear of mine. And although I am circumcised, and I guess there's an argument of, oh, don't you want your son to look like the father? I always think, how often are you looking at your dad's dick? And if you are that much where you're noticing the differences, you're looking at your dad's dick too much. 
Yeah, and we aren't Jewish, we aren't Muslim, so there's no religious or cultural reasons to. There are some, <laughs> there are some studies uh, that people point to that say, oh, well, it might be helpful in preventing penile cancer or certain types of STDs. But I look at the, the cancer thing is such a low uh, chance, and they're not even sure about that. And the STD thing, um, I mean, I plan on raising my kids to know that they should be having safe sex so that whether or not they're circumcised that has no impact on them contracting an std uh the other people is oh well if you don't get them circumcised then it gets dirty well if you don't clean your private parts then they will get dirty so i have no idea how they work that's if you teach your kid just properly from the time they're very small how to properly clean their private parts then you're fine it's it's when you have a dirty kid who's not cleaning themselves that you're gonna have problems whether you're circumcised or not i just don't know how to deal with the circumcised like are they the the flaps that extra skin so what you do is you you pull the extra you pull the foreskin down and then you clean the head of the penis and then you pull the foreskin back up which is with soap and water like it's how do you know how to do it because i looked it up okay um and it's actually the aftercare for caring for a circumcised uh newborn is really intense you have to change the gauze you have to apply like uh creams and serums and it, it takes a long time to heal. It, it just sounds, it sounds like a process. Um, I'd rather not have the skin there if I'm being brutally honest, but I don't want to you, have a procedure. But you don't know what it's like to not have the skin that, there. That's what I mean. And because I also don't know what it's like to have a boy and I hate change, I'd rather just have another girl. <laughs> Apparently, um, it makes sex better to be uncircumcised. But you don't want sex to be better if you're a guy. Like, I put it in once. I'm like, whoa, you know. What? That's bad? I can't even talk about my truthful sex experience. (laughs) You have so many rules on me. No, but as a guy, you honestly don't want sex to get any better. That's a fear. Okay, what about... All right, well, we're on the same page. We're not getting our baby boy circumcised if we have a baby boy. Because the risks do not outweigh the benefits for us. And Bosch circumcision botched circumcisions are a real fear um there's a real tough word to say it's true uh there was actually a case in canada so i remember this from university i think it was in winnipeg i forget the first name but it was rhymer the last name and it was twin boys were born and then uh they got circumcised but by cauterization Mm-hmm. That that means a um, burned blowtorch, yeah, essentially. Uh, and the one twin, they totally botched it. So then they reassigned his sex, and told his parents to raise him as a girl, and gave him a sex reassignment surgery as an infant. Jeez. And then the the child was between, <clears throat> I think, between the ages like nine and eleven, realized, oh, like I think I'm a boy. Parents came clean, told the child what happened. Obviously, a lifetime of depression, died by suicide. This awful, awful case. But um, before his death, he was going around to hospitals and schools and talking about, you know, circumcision risks and why it may not be worth it. Wow, seems like an extreme uh, case. Oh, it's very extreme, but that stuck with me from university. So I had to relook it up today because anytime I think of uh, circumcision, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Very extreme, but... What a nightmare. What's the next question? The next question. Do you let Lucy play with her food? My 14-month-old throws her hands across her tray. 
I don't know what the last part means there, um, but we let I let. I know what it means. It means I throws think. your hands across the tray. No, like you know when you're like clearing a table, like if you're really angry and mm-hmm. like if you see a character is really angry in a movie, and it'll be like I'm sick of this, and it'll knock everything off yeah. the table. I think the the child is sweeping their hand across the tray and knocking everything onto the floor. Could be. What else could it mean? Yeah, I don't know. I guess that would be it. Um, I think the woman's nodding her head and saying, yes, Jane, you are correct. <laughs> probably, no, honestly, probably. Uh, when it comes to playing with food, so a lot of things that I've read in regards to baby led weaning and kids with food, it's actually good to let them play with their food to an extent because it allows them to get comfortable with certain textures and things like that and just gives them a more familiar relationship with food. So I don't care if Lucy's sitting there and like using her fingers and tearing it apart, whatever. It's when she starts throwing it on the floor and things and I try to curb that behavior but if she's just playing with it on her tray I don't mind so the yeah key we too is some, Lou is a little bit sneaky and yeah. she likes being funny mm-hmm. so sometimes Lou will get funny with her food <laughs> and then I usually indulge her with some laughs in general life but when it comes to her food play I try not to give her any laughs yeah yeah and I find that helpful because she really likes to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. No, I've seen like, uh, you know, two-year-olds and things throwing their food on the floor or on the walls and parents laughing and not acting seriously or just not ignoring the kid. And then my fear is like, oh my God, like what if we take Lucy to a restaurant? Like we're going away soon to Florida. What if we're out with her dining and she starts throwing her food everywhere? So that's why we try to curb that behavior. But again, if it's just on her tray and, you know, she's still eating it, then I don't have a problem with that kind of thing. Uh, that's it for the questions. Were you able to hear from Al? Is he ready for a call? Yeah, I told him we'll wait till 8.30. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm going to go to the washroom. Okay. And then we got to ask each other a question. Yep. Okay, Shane, so now our questions for each other. My question to you is, what is the hardest part about being the partner to a pregnant woman? And, and you know, specific to our situation. So what is the hardest part of being my partner while I'm pregnant? Because it's not equal. Because there's a lack of time. There's an idea that I don't care because I can't be here all the time. Mm -hmm. But what I'm doing is I'm carrying the financial load for the family and working to keep everything afloat. But you don't get a lot of credit for that often. And I try never to bring it up either. I don't want credit for Mm -hmm. it. I'm making more money than you. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm looking after all the child care, the majority. And it's like, and then, you know, that's a kind of a better argument than making the money. Mm -hmm. So that that feels odd. It's funny how um, rational and easily we can talk about it when you're not in the argument and we can step back and mm-hmm. say this is how well, this is what i say this is what you say this is what where it goes wrong yet you, you know, know we will a- have this that argument again at some point in our lives unfortunately it's what's interesting is we say the exact same things when we're having the argument in the exact same way <laughs> it's just that we're our voices aren't calm like they're now yeah it's, no that's the thing uh, and but it's, it's just, we're not saying anything different really no, it's just it's just funny how it can be looked at so pragmatically and without thinking. And even if we are being pragmatic when we're arguing, uh, you know, our own emotions cloud our ability to. I think. Well, and too, sometimes there is name calling. Uh, you big dicked asshole! I find you. you <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> 
But we like to keep it light here on the pod. But of course, we do not call each other names because that would be uh, that'd be bad. I'm not about that. Nope. Shane, what's your question for me? Okay, I'm playing jazz here a little bit. Um, what is the number one thing you miss from not being pregnant? Like, what are what is just kind of killing? Feeling you? good. Feeling good. I miss mm-hmm. not feeling good. I feel terrible all the time, and I miss not. I miss feeling normal. In comparing that from the first pregnancy, what what do you think you were missing? Is it was it the same? I feel like the first pregnancy might have been a little bit easier. The first pregnancy was easier in the sense that I wasn't feeling this nauseous all day long. I was only really feeling nauseous after I took my pills in the morning, uh, my prenatals. Uh, other than that, I was very tired, but now it's like I'm nauseous and tired. I'm having lupus, um, a symptom of lupus is that is fatigue right Mm -hmm. so my lupus has been flaring a little bit it does every time i get pregnant so it's almost good as an indicator that you are pregnant well it has been every every time i get pregnant my uh then my nail beds swell up and I, then I know I'm pregnant. Yeah, so I, I have fatigue from having a toddler and working. I have fatigue from lupus and I have fatigue from pregnancy. So it's like an exacerbated version of pregnancy symptoms. So I had that with the first pregnancy as well. But I miss, yeah, I miss feeling okay. And like even if I was tired with Lucy, not being pregnant, just you have more energy like I don't want to eat food now it's it's just awful like I feel I feel so crummy all the time as pregnancy progressed with Lucy it's like there was a new worry every couple weeks right like with her health and everything Mm -hmm. so then it was the mental anguish of that and that was really hard so for me I don't like being pregnant (laughs) I thought maybe this time around it would change so far it has not you were saying how much you loved being pregnant though with your last pregnancy you're like I love this yeah at the end I like it when the baby's big and you can feel them kicking and everything and you're like visibly pregnant but everything leading up to that is just miserable what advice would you give your pre-pregnant self I know that wasn't long ago this we're going into like eight weeks ago but it's a good question I do what I can. <laughs> um, I would be telling my pre-pregnant self. I, there's nothing I could I could have told myself to prepare me better for this. Wow, not the best advice giver for pre. No, there's there's nothing like I was gonna say. Exercise more, whatever. But it's like it doesn't matter. You could be the most fit person, and it, if you have severe nausea and vomiting, it's doesn't matter. It's just gonna hit you the same. Like there's nothing you can do to prepare for the nausea and that, you know, so-called morning sickness thing because that just totally overtakes you. And like I couldn't eat healthy right now if I wanted to because the thought of, oh my God, score just McFlurry. thinking of, yeah, we ordered score McFlurries to our house last night. But like the thought of eating a chicken breast with veggies on the side honestly makes me want to gag. So it's, it's so physical. Um, how do you want to end this podcast? Did you ask me a question? Yeah, I did. What was it? I asked you about the most difficult part of being with a pregnant partner. Right. Okay, so what? That's it? That's all? That's it. So everyone, thank you so much for tuning in tonight on this Family Tree Podcast. I know you wanted me to say that in unison, but I want to tell people, don't be afraid to like 
and subscribe and to leave a comment on that iTunes board. Except Shane, can we amend what you said last time? Shane, last time we made this uh, announcement, he said, hey everyone, even if it's a bad comment, go ahead and leave a bad comment, a bad like, we'll take anything. Here's the thing, somebody gave us a one star and didn't leave a comment as to why. They didn't say, oh, well, it got a one star because of this. They just went, acted like a dick and gave us a one star. Well, one star reviews, I think the public knows one star reviews are fake. Yeah. No one gives a one star review. Probably so somebody that doesn't like me. You'd probably give a four or a three. If you're giving yeah. a two, maybe that's more realistic. A one is just fake. They're called trolls in the internet world. Mm. But thank you for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 19. <laughs>